Hey everyone, welcome to the B2B Power Hour podcast, where we release special interviews with marketing and sales leaders, as well as our live show, all in audio format. If you haven't already, make sure to follow Nick and I out on LinkedIn. Our profile links are in the description, or you can also just search for us or B2B Power Hour. Now on to this week's episode. Good morning, Morgan. How was your Thanksgiving? Good morning, Nick. Happy Friday. It was lovely. It was nice to have a day off. Uh, You know, now it's shopping frenzy season (laughs) for the holidays today. So uh, just if there are any Americans on today, hi, welcome. Thanks for joining us on usually a holiday, you know, for people taking off work. Uh, It means a lot that you're here and I'm sure we'll make the most of this hour. (laughs) How was you? I mean, you don't celebrate Thanksgiving. I was just about to ask. You don't celebrate Thanksgiving at this point in the year. I was going to ask you how yours was and I realized that's not. It was good. It is a little weird not being able to invite everybody in, but who doesn't (laughs) love turkey leftovers? Who doesn't love turkey leftovers? I know. Or turkey soup. I I could get Mm. on that turkey soup game. Mm-hmm. Mm. And your pumpkin cinnamon rolls, I, I don't know. That yeah. sounds like a next level thing too. It <laughs> oh, sounds delicious. Anyways, do you want to introduce today's topic that we're going to dive into? <laughs> yeah, it seems to be a really hot topic right now is creating content. And especially for SDRs and AEs, do you get management support? Should you be creating content? Why is it even worthwhile? And so when me and Morgan were talking, we were talking about, okay, so... How does building a personal brand win you business? And that's what we're going to dive into today. So please, if you have any questions, throw them in the chat. Love to hear them. Mm-hmm. We're going to get very tactical today. So it's it's nice when you hear the theory. That's great. But what I've noticed is it's very hard to get the tactical knowledge and pull it in together for a roadmap that just works. Mm-hmm. Like Sales Navigator. How do you build lists? What's the point? Um mm-hmm. uh, how do you, what do you, what the heck do you post about? <laughs> What's the point? How long, what formats mm-hmm. and just how do you build a brand that's worthwhile that actually creates pipeline? Mm-hmm. Totally. Let's go. Let's go. Well, if you're here tuning in, drop a high in the, the chat with, uh, again, love to hear from you at any point, but I think where I, uh, where I'd like to start is sort of like why, because as an entrepreneur and a freelancer, I got thrown personal branding information from like day one mostly because when you work for yourself you know it's sort of one and the same your personal brand is your business and it's how you generate business and so i this is definitely sort of like a second nature sort of topic for me where it's Mm -hmm. just been something i've been inundated with for a long time and i as we um prepped for this week, I kept on thinking, okay, so why for somebody who's working for another company, why the personal brand? Why is it that that is so valuable? And there's a few dimensions that came up, but one of the most important for me is you're not going to work at your job for forever. Mm. (laughs) You're, you're, you know, even if your title changes and you get promoted at the company, chances are you're not going to stay at the company that you're currently working at for forever. Mm -hmm. So building a personal brand equips you with the skills and the network and the connection that brings you to a bigger audience than the one that you're just in at your current company. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge leverage point. Think of somebody who has a large personal brand or a large following, let's say on LinkedIn here, 
hiring them into a new company provides that company a lot of leverage. And so it's a huge value add in a future hiring process. But that's not the only reason. I mean, today we're yeah. talking about how it can win you business and also personal branding brings you in front of people that you want to get in front of. It's an intentional way to connect and build relationships and have great conversations with people and so much more. So that personal brand is really driving a lot of the attention that you can get. And what I really want to to emphasize, and this is a lesson that I had to learn. <laughs> so this is earned wisdom more uh -oh. than anything. <laughs> and that means that I screwed it up. That's, that's what earned <laughs> wisdom means. Uh, your personal brand has nothing to do with whether you have a really pretty picture or a site or a domain with your like name on it. Or, you know, you go into Canva and you mock up a logo for yourself. That's not a personal <laughs> brand. I mean, that's a visual brand. It's nice. It works for some people. When you're a, a brand coach, you do that, right? Because you've got to do it, I guess. But what we're going to talk about today is basically how you're perceived and how you build relationships specifically on LinkedIn. We're going to, I think, focus our time really on, on LinkedIn today. And mm -hmm. it, at a company level, I get to put on my little branding hat. You know, there's three core elements to a brand. There's trust, there's value, there's advantage. The same things apply to a personal brand. How much mm -hmm. people trust you, what sort of value you deliver, and why you're different. Why you people should pay attention to you compared to other people in the same field. And that is not, you know the ultimate goal to be the most unique person out on LinkedIn. But between your value and your advantage, you want people to really pay attention to you so that you can cultivate trust, so that you really can drive business. Um, so that's at least the why. Did you have anything to add, Nick? Especially as a sales professional, I'd be interested in your perspective on this as to like why you build a personal brand or have built one and where the sort of advantages of that come through. Absolutely. Trust and credibility are the biggest ones you need to remember. And I just want to say good morning to Liz, Kinder, Michelle. Nice to see you. Luca, Slava, thanks for joining us. Hey, everyone. Yeah. I would love to see what you guys think of branding and how it can help you build your business. Throw it in the comments. Mm -hmm. But in sales, we're sending out messaging all the time. And the thing that prospects always want to know is why you? Why should I care? And the thing is, if you don't have credibility in a market, in a category, not a, they don't care about your business yet. They care about what category you serve and why it matters to them or their business. A personal brand addresses that. And I'll tell you what it looks like on LinkedIn is when I go and post on LinkedIn or when I go and connect with somebody on LinkedIn, it gets engagement. And in particular, when I connect with someone on LinkedIn, when I didn't have a great personal brand and I was kind of everywhere, my connect rate was below 20%. Mm -hmm. And so if you guys, if you're there, this is a good sign that you're not well positioned yet. No problem. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're really well positioned, you know who you should be talking to, what accounts you should be targeting, what personas in those accounts you should be targeting. You get laser focused. And mine almost instantly jumped to 40 to 60% with blank invitations. And right now, since I've taken this a step further, I was just telling Morgan, I just updated my spreadsheet and I was looking at it and I'm actually just above 90%. Wow. 
which is awesome. That's unreal, Nick. <laughs> and I think it just comes down to when I talk to you guys, I feel like I know you. Mm-hmm. And thank you, everyone, for helping me get educated on what, what I can do to help you guys. Because that's what really what drives this. And that's what drove my brand. Mm-hmm. And so without you, we wouldn't have the show. Mm-hmm. And so many when more ways than one. <laughs> in so many more ways than one. I think what you're pointing to is really the crux of where you can start building a personal brand. And that's figuring out who you should target. Yeah. And the main obstacle I've heard is, well... If I'm only working at this job at this company for a couple of years, why should I invest the time getting in front of these people when in a few years time I may transition to another industry? That's a very fine objection. I think it's something I hear a lot. And I understand as somebody who's transitioned roles and industries and um and so much more. I used to work for a city, you know, there's <laughs> I've had <laughs> made some leaps and jumps before. The point mm-hmm. is not that every single person you're connecting with or every single person you're engaging with or that you're identifying now is going to be your permanent audience. That's probably not true. Mm -hmm. What is important is that you're developing the skills and it is a skill. It's like a muscle that allows you to develop those relationships, that trust and credibility, as Nick said, with those folks, because it is a particular skill set. It requires a particular approach. And the things that you learn going after an audience today can help you go after a different audience if you need to in a couple years' time. And also, if people really care about you and your brand does really well, they're going to be excited to see you transition. They're going to be excited for your next steps. It's not, you know, a scarcity. It, you know, it's like, uh, look, he's now in this new industry. How cool. Like, that's and you're not what you starting want. from zero. And you're not starting from zero. That's a big thing that we need to go and like nail down is you're not starting from zero. But if you don't start and you don't start building and you're not have, if you don't have any momentum behind you when you leave, you are starting at zero. Mm -hmm. And there's credibility in numbers. Mm -hmm. It's like everybody, if you notice, LinkedIn even gamifies this with a 500 plus. Mm -hmm. And I noticed myself doing this now when I get connection requests. If you don't have at least 500 connections, I have to go and remind myself not to be dismissive and I have to go and read and make sure it's a good fit because you might be just getting started. Mm -hmm. But how many people in senior leadership positions are thinking that exact same thing is why do you only have 100 people? Why do you only have 50 people? What am I missing? Mm -hmm. Totally. And so what I think about are three different kinds of accounts that you can go after uh, in building a personal brand. This is the start. The first kind of account are target accounts, literally how directly related to your current position, the accounts that you would like to sell to potential prospects and buyers or the connections to those potential prospects and buyers, depending upon the scale, it could be multiple people at individual companies. If you have to deal with buying committees, if you have a smaller deal size, it's probably just going to be one or two key stakeholders at each of those companies. And so that's probably going to be directly related to your account list or a lead list that you create based on those accounts. You can do that in sales nav, or if you're just given an account list, then you can look them up inside LinkedIn and and use some of this stuff that we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. So there's target accounts, and then there are the accounts that your target accounts pay attention to. (laughs) And this takes a little bit of research, right? So what, what I would recommend is over a couple of weeks, you don't have to do this all in a day. Building a brand takes time, so make it take time. And over a couple of weeks, 
You should be looking at your target accounts, the people that you're trying to connect with or the people that you want to connect with and look at their activity on LinkedIn, the people who are active, right? And when they're active, all you go through is you look at all of their activity. And what you want to find is what are the accounts that they pay attention to? What are the accounts that they're commenting on or liking or otherwise? And and I would say, I mean, that's a huge universe. So what you Mm -hmm. may want to find are you know, 50 to 100 different accounts that you could follow or connect with that they pay attention to. And this is going to be really crucial, by the way, uh, in the, big, another step in developing your personal brand is finding these accounts that your target accounts pay attention to. And then the last grouping are peers, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's best not to do this alone. You want to have peers. The way that I have felt more successful on LinkedIn, honestly, is because I've had Nick <laughs> and we've been able to do a lot of stuff together. But also there's, there's sort of like a little cluster of us that tend to comment on a lot of each other's posts because they show up in our feed a lot. And that makes it sound, it, it just makes it a lot more fun because occasionally you'll uh, post a comment on somebody's post and because the algorithm works its magic, that other person sees your comment and they're like, oh, what a great comment. And they add a little like. And so, yeah, it is like being part of the same circles. You want to have those peer support groups uh, or peers in the same industry maybe or peers in the same role but different industries because it's best not to do this alone. But remember, the point is not to only engage with your peers. The point is definitely to engage your target accounts and the accounts that your target accounts follow. (laughs) And this is why so many people fail on social media. Yes, is A, they talk too much about their profession, their job, their company. When you talk about your company, who else loves your company? (laughs) Other people at your company, basically, yeah. When you talk about your profession and your love for your profession, who do you go and attract? Other people in your profession. And this is the same reason why cold calls, cold emails, marketing messaging fails. Mm -hmm. Is you take the same approach. And you make it about your company or you make it about you and it's not about them. So the biggest thing, if I can go and state right now that makes a brand is you're not doing it for you. And once you know that, that you're building an audience that you're serving, that changes the entire game. And it also makes creating content easier, makes commenting easier. It makes targeting easier because now it has a face and a name. Like what's that one you had the other day? Try hard Tammy. I had commented on this post from Vladimir uh, Full Funnel and the, you know, the <laughs> classic thing in, in branding is to create personas or your ICP stuff. And, and my favorite persona name ever, which is a real persona somebody created, was Try Hard Tammy. And it just cracks me up. <laughs> but to your, what you're dead on about is if you know who's it for – who you're creating a brand for, who you're going after, all of the value creation, the second element of a brand, is focused on those people. It's not focused on you. If you make it about yourself, people aren't going to pay attention. And that's and it's it's not just because people don't like other people being selfish. <laughs> it's because other people have enough stuff going on in their head already. We already mm-hmm. have so much noise in our world. And what's another person just talking about their own stuff going to show up on their feed? They don't care, right? They're looking for – Yeah, they're gone. They're looking for things to help them. So if you Mm -hmm. can show up and either offer that generously 
as content or comments or connections or whatever, or a conversation for C's, I guess. Uh, there's, that's something. Uh, <laughs> you can actually be generous to these people. And that, most importantly, that creates trust. And yep. the reason it creates trust is it is a competitive advantage on these platforms. One, um, a lot of people. I a term for this. Oh, go for it. Yes. The key is to be first to insight. Ooh, the key is to be first to insight. Say more about that, Nick. What happens when you talk to a salesperson, a marketer, you listen to an ad, or you watch a great teaser on Netflix or anything? Something captures your interest and makes it is either a pattern interrupt that you don't expect, but it makes you think you're, oh, hmm, it's either that aha moment or wow, or like it, it catches you off guard. It makes you think, and it gives you value instantly. So what do you do? You deep dive. And this is what triggers this whole thing. And if you want to ask me later, I figured out a sales navigator trick to go and keep you honest when it comes. Yeah. <laughs> I, actually told I can't S wait. We'll get to that. <laughs> Slava's here. So we'll, he'll have to join in after. <laughs> That's great. I think um, what when we center ourselves on what other people are um, are are needing, are are seeking, we can really provide that value and that content to those folks. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good interruption at this point to throw up Slava's question on the screen. Um, you want to do that one now, or did you want to go and do Liz's? Uh, let's do Slava's first, and then okay. I have a note on Liz's thing. Okay. So Slava asked, can you elaborate on finding the peers? Should they have a big following, be very active on LinkedIn, or target similar personas? So this very is one area. Very good question. Yeah, this is a great question. This is one area where you can really relax your ICP. Um, the point of this finding, uh, uh, finding the peers is to find people who are also in your industry who would like to engage in some of the stuff that you're doing. And the point, the point is just so that you don't feel so alone. I mean, um, I had put out a poll a couple weeks ago, last week, I forget, about why don't SDRs and AEs create content? And one of the top performing comments on that poll was from Will, who had talked about his imposter syndrome when it came to creating content. He's like, what do I post? Why would people listen to me? Who cares, basically? And that's part of that narrative in imposter syndrome, which I experience and struggle with as well. And mm -hmm. finding peers, connecting with peers who are also trying to do the same things that you're doing or who are also just in the same industry, in the same roles, who are also trying to figure out the same things you're trying to figure out, just make it a far less lonely journey. <laughs> That's the most important thing. That's so, a great source of knowledge too. It's a huge source of knowledge. So they don't need a big following. They should be active on LinkedIn because you want people to have conversations and you want them to engage on your content and you want to engage on their content. Do they need to be inside similar personas? Not necessarily. Um, it's more important just to find peers who can support you. That's like friends. You, you mm -hmm. want to tag in a friend at a party. You want to know somebody here on this big LinkedIn party platform. So it's just finding people who you can chat with and, and discuss things with. And it doesn't have to be super deep or you know best friend level status. But finding peers is the third group. And in terms of like prioritization, it's not necessarily the top priority, but it's going to make it feel a lot more fun than just always constantly going after your target accounts. They also ask great questions. One thing I've noticed that accelerates knowledge is that your peers will ask questions that your customers won't, which means 
your customers give you a different type of knowledge and your peers give you a different type of knowledge that accelerates your specific focus. And so they might be talking about, you know, three, five, 10 levels deep where the customer only talks usually on one and two, but it's a great way to keep yourself sharp and off the cuff because, you know, with a, typically with a comment, you're going to want to respond rather quickly. Totally. Um, let's just, uh, pull up Liz's comment really quick. Cause I like the in-depth Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, branding for me is really about what the folks I'm trying to help and support thinking about me, the credibility I'm establishing and how much of a subject matter expert I'm becoming in my field. Mm-hmm. It looks like it cuts off on the screen. So I'll finish reading this truly understanding the reality and challenges of my ICP. Also branding for me means how vulnerable am I to let people into more of my life beyond my profession because I'm a multifaceted human as is everyone else. It's great insight. It's a great comment. Mm-hmm. I definitely um, agree with all that. I also think, you know, if you feel uncomfortable with sharing beyond your professional life, that's okay. You know, you don't have to, yeah. <laughs> that can be part of your brand as well. Um, I personally think people connect really well with people who share stuff more um, than, and it doesn't have to, you don't have to be posting pictures of your sandwiches on LinkedIn. Like this is not Twitter in 2010. Like it's, it's its own kind of network, but you can have more vulnerable conversations in DMS instead of on, on post. And like, you can open up more where it makes sense. Um, There's so many avenues here. Uh, The other thing that came to mind uh, on this early stage of like, now that you've identified your target accounts, the accounts that your target accounts listen to and and watch, and then your peer accounts, basically you want to start connecting with them. And this is really straightforward. <laughs> there's 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 maybe a preparation stage, which I don't know if we really have a lot of time to talk about today, which is about re- redoing your LinkedIn profile. And to think about it, the, the main philosophical difference is uh, making sure your LinkedIn profile page is a landing page and not a resume. So when it's a landing page, it's really focused on this brand concept about who you're trying to go after and what value they might get from connecting with you. And and the crucial sub-bullet to that is no shadow pitches, no shadow pitching, okay? No pitching is very easy to do. No shadow pitching is a lot harder to do. A shadow pitch is when you sort of implicitly imply this is what we do. <laughs> and here's here's why you should work with us without actually saying, here's how you should work with us. And mm-hmm. it's pervasive. And it's one of the, in my experience, it's one of the main reasons my connection rate was so low was because either my headline or my about was basically a shadow pitch. And this didn't used to be the case in like mm-hmm. 2017, 2018. It was a different platform. Today, it's a, it's a different landscape. Now so if you have a headline that's like, I help X, your target persona, solve Y, and that's what your product does or the company that you work for, that's a shadow pitch. That's not going mm-hmm. to resonate with people because they get enough inbound pitches. And so the, the thing that they're thinking about when they see that on, their prof- on your profile is, I'm going to get pitched. And that will prevent them from accepting your connection request. So if you, you, what you want to is to upgrade your headline to a value-focused headline. Instead of saying, I help whoever your ICP solve why, you can instead just simplify to something broader, something value-based. I help CMOs uh, 
discover lost money. <laughs> That's fun. Or I help SDRs do Y. And it can still be ICP focused, but you really want to upgrade your language. And I wish I had more examples off the top of my head. But like Nick's headline is just exploring the future of sales. That's, That's all a, I want to talk about. It's very value it. focused. <laughs> You're like, oh, I wonder what his thoughts are on this. Even though Nick has a product to pitch at his company, more or less, right? Mm -hmm. And that he could say, I help whoever solve why or, you know, intelligently automate the sales cycle or train people to, you know, you can have all those shadow pitchy headlines. But the more that you focus on the value that you provide to people in sort of a, a generous way, sort of take a step back and just be generous with it, the higher connection um, request acceptance rates, what a phrase, the higher rate of acceptance God. <laughs> you'll get a higher rate of acceptance that's what i mean to say yes <laughs> um and that, that was true for me too i had a headline that was like i help b2b leaders solve whatever and when i shifted that to the b2b power hour show um uh, the host of it and RevOps and marketing my connection rates doubled so can i throw something in really quick yeah go for it everybody needs to follow selena young Hi, Selena. Yes, she is amazing. The LinkedIn gal. If you want to see LinkedIn done right, oh, no better place. Uh, she, 150%. She, I am but a student compared to <laughs> Selena. <laughs> so true. Um, the So the headline, the profile page, just think of it like a landing page, not a resume. Don't demonstrate all the resume stuff. Think about, and there's lots of particulars. I wish we could dive into more of this, but I really want to focus on the connection side. How do you actually connect with people? Mm -hmm. And Can I I throw uh, one last little bit just to summarize? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Go, Nick. They shouldn't have to think about why to follow you. Mm -hmm. So they're shadow pitching, which is a beautiful term. I never heard that one, but they should know why they're following you. The reason I wrote the thinking about the future of sales is that I want them to know that's what I'm going to be exploring with them. And we're going to be going through that journey together. And it was funny. I wrote that and it didn't really resonate. And then I started to kind of live and breathe it and it changed everything. But people connect with me for that because they want that content. They know what's in it for them. So even if they never buy anything, which is completely fine for me, mm-hmm. I am educating on a category first, not a company. And that is transferable anywhere you go. Okay, I'm good. Wow. I mean, honestly, though, educating on a category instead of a company is, that's some deep wisdom, man. I love that. But, and it's uh, And also, well, we'll get into content creation in a little bit. Um, <laughs> um when it comes to connecting with people, again, if you have three different buckets, you have target accounts, you have the account that you that your target accounts pay attention to, and then you have peers. Mm-hmm. The peers actually is the really easiest. Find a few of them, connect with them, okay? But the, the motion that Nick and I use is we tend to seek 20 accounts per day. I think that there's an upper limit on LinkedIn of like 30, I think. I'm so, not sure LinkedIn jail hits you hard. So Selena yeah, might be able to give us more information about that, but <laughs> I think it might have I, to do more with your acceptance rate and how much have not been accepted more than it does the numbers. But maybe we'll dig into that for you guys and we can give you an update later in the week. 
Yeah, but in any case, there is some upper limit on a maximum uh, request connection request per day. So I don't. Mm-hmm. I just never want to toy with LinkedIn jail. I never want to get close. And twenty is enough. What's the difference between twenty and thirty? Nah. And <laughs> mostly, what you want to um, what you want to do is you want to. I prioritize second degree connections, people who I already have a connection with. That's a mm-hmm. much easier, especially in target accounts and accounts that those target accounts pay attention to. That's so much easier to connect with. And it's a mm-hmm. good starting point if, you, if you've never done outbound connection strategies or like starting with people. Like you can get to the third degree stuff eventually. But second degrees are just a great starting point because they're potential people who would be able to or willing to connect with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can go after third degree connections. And Nick, I think you have a good like process for going after creating a personalized message when you send a connection request to a third degree connection. Do you want to share that? Because I think um, you have a good sort of process that you think through as you go through. I, I try to keep it really simple. And I originally I started with like a three line I'll pull this uh, Selena's comment yeah. up after because that's that's really important. But I start with I used to have like a three a three sentence email basically that I would send, and it was super salesy, super high value. I got really good at like this is my value, but that was better left for an email. And all I started doing is I would actually just comment on something on their posts or something that was I thought would be a v- high interest for their learning or instant value, and my success rate went through the roof. Mm-hmm. So you would comment and then you would send a connection request later. So we'll get into that later. I, there's a few different <laughs> tricks that really up your game. And uh-huh. so anytime you're engaging, especially when you're don't think of like a, a gift, when you give a really thoughtful, long comment and Selena is amazing at this, mm-hmm. it, you pay attention. And once you get more than one of those and then they ask to connect, you're like, you know what? I would love to connect with you. Thank you so much for, you know, all your your really thoughtful, meaningful comments. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. But when you're even just sending that message Mm -hmm. and just giving value, that's not about a company. It's about a category that is very aligned with their persona, something that they're struggling with or an opportunity that they're looking for. It shows you care Mm -hmm. and it's hard to ignore, Mm -hmm. but just remember less is more. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you want to throw up Selena's comment? Yes, I do. I guess we were spot on. (laughs) Look at us. (laughs) 100 connection invites per week. So you guys nailed it. 20 per day times five active days. That's the upper limit. So basically, if you are exceeding that, you might get flagged. You might get thrown in LinkedIn jail. There's all sorts of maybe problems out of that. And again, but also think about this in a different way. Instead of thinking about shotgun, spray and pray, you know, everyone in my target account I want to get connected to. What would it mean if you could only select 20 people, even in a week instead of a day? Who would you want to go after? And also, don't beat yourself up too much if one of those people doesn't connect with you. That's okay. I mean, we still only get a certain percentage of the connection requests that we send out actually accepted. And and it does depend on how much engagement. Is it just a cold invite to somebody like right-click connect in Sales Navigator? Or have you been engaging in their comments or in their feed and then sending a connection request. There are ways to sort of level this up that we'll get to in a sec that really can build that personal brand. So mm. 
prioritize the second degree connections is at least my recommendation. And then third degree, there's a motion you can do to engage in their comments or engage in their content first, and then eventually send a connection request with a personalized note that isn't super salesy. I really also think that when you connect with your peers, just send them a request. <laughs> yeah, blank. I don't, I just you could just send them a blank request. It's not a big deal. In my experience, I've connected with peers in my and mind you, I'm a marketer, so this may be different for sales professionals, Nick. But in my I just send a connection request. Marketers love to be with other marketers, so we're we're a happy echo chamber over here on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm sure lots of SDRs, BDRs, AEs, and others would be happy to connect with each other. Just, just right, because Nick? I have to go and tease Morgan in front okay. of all you guys. Morgan, <laughs> who's easier to connect with? Sales oh. or marketing? <laughs> sales folks are so much easier to connect with. And talk to. And so talk if this to, isn't if a... this isn't part of your sales development and how mm-hmm. you're working your territory is getting other influencers, other salespeople. I don't care what industry you're in. Almost every industry has salespeople on LinkedIn. So yep. if that's not part of your strategy for your peers, mm-hmm. crazy. And then the most crucial step of all, disrupt the MO on LinkedIn and send a thank you message for connecting to anyone who accepts your connection request. I will say I, over the past week, because of this poll that I did that reached however many people, I had a ton of inbound connection requests. People wanted to connect with me. Uh, Dozens and dozens and dozens. Only two people thanked me for connecting with them. So that's like, you know, if we expound that to a lot of large numbers, that's maybe 5% or less say thank you. And here's the thing. Because the expectation of a connection request from a sales professional on LinkedIn is you get pitched. Somebody who accepts your connection request and instead gets just, thanks for connecting with me, comma, name, exclamation point. That's the template I use. That creates a different expectation about the relationship that person will have with you in the future. That's trust building. That's value delivery. You're avoiding the direct selling. You're avoiding the cold pitching. You're disrupting the expectation. Yeah. And I have sent a thank you note manually to every single person who I've connected with over the last couple of months. And what you can do is some percentage of people are never going to reply. In my world, salespeople reply a lot more (laughs) than marketing people do, which is unbelievable. (laughs) And then that's a great point to start a conversation. It shows are conversational. Reply, yeah. You don't, you don't get to start a conversation if they don't reply. You didn't believe cool. me when I first told you that either. No, it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> he fought me on it. I'm like, no, like seriously, just say thank you. Nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And then if they, if they respond back, they're conversational, break the pattern and don't go about business. Earned that's wisdom. no different than a pitch slap. Talk about something about them. Make it about them. Mm-hmm. Oh, what man. are your favorite conversation starters, Nick? Like just a couple that you tend to use as somebody. Because like usually the thing that I get, thanks for connecting with me. And somebody says, of course, or no problem, or great to be connected. Like how do you actually start a conversation off of that? Salespeople typically love sales. So sometimes I'll ask them, what do you think the future is? Intelligent automation or demand gen and inbound? Mm-hmm. Or I'll ask them, you know what? This is probably the most, and I'll say this, this isn't probably the most common conversation starter. 
but it's one of my favorites. If you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? It's a great one. <laughs> or, and I go for more like relationship based, like something that we were both being vulnerable and, and I answer the same question too. Mm-hmm. And, or did you ever think growing up that you'd be a sales professional? And, but you got, sometimes it's humor. Sometimes it'll be, they'll have a post that just stands out or they'll have a killer headline. Uh, there's a gentleman out of the UK and he had something about intelligent automation, intelligent uh, sales, something like that. But his last name was smart. And I'm like, man, you missed the most pun, like pun heavy opportunity ever. And that's how I started our conversation. But because it was, I didn't have, but you shouldn't have to think about it. The more you have to think, the more you're going to try and sell. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it just gets easier. And that, and this is a great place to also avoid a shadow pitch. I don't know how uh, oh, many times I'll say this today, but it's very easy when you send a thank you request and somebody replies for you not to directly pitch them. That's in your brain. You're like, ah, I'm not. But then somehow during the conversation, your company or product comes up and you feel so tempted to, well, we can help with that or whatever. Dive and my recommendation is just don't do that. Don't do that for the first conversation at least, right? The point of this is building a personal brand. You're building a relationship with these people. And the analogy we use around here that we've used on previous live shows is the cousin versus the grandma. Because the cousin at the holiday party always has something to sell you. And the first time you get sold from that cousin, you're like, ah, whatever. It doesn't bother you that much. But because that cousin keeps on coming back with something new or different to sell you again and again, you just tire of that presence. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay attention to this. I'm not interested in that relationship. He always just wants to sell me. Versus the grandma, who's the conversationalist, who's just happy to spend some time and, you know, how's life? Genuinely what's going curious on? in you, about you. Genuinely curious in you. Though be the grandma, not the cousin, right? Like you want to just be genuinely curious in the other person. And I could even say, like, it's just the more I more I say it, the more and more it gets proven true over time. You can't move faster than the speed of trust. I don't care how big the deal is. I don't care about how amazing the product is. You are a big factor in that. And if people trust you and you're a credible source of knowledge, oh my God, deals are gonna move fast. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. It'll open doors for you that you never thought possible. Also, you guys should start a podcast. That's an amazing <laughs> door opener too. That's another, that's a time, something for another day. That's something for another day, Nick. So that's for that sort of motion, the thank you stuff, the follow-up conversations. That is especially a priority for your target accounts, that bucket A, and potentially for your peers too, bucket C. Bucket B, the accounts that your target accounts follow and, and like and engage with. You can also, if you're connecting with them, if you're sending actual connection requests, you got to do the same thing. But chances are a number of those accounts you can just follow instead. And that's totally okay, right? So you can follow some accounts. That means you never send a connection request. Their stuff just starts following up in your feed. But here's why. And Nick's like, nah, don't do it. Connect with them. Do it. That's do the it, marketer talking. If you want to hear what the salesperson will do, I'll, I, I can fix that for you after Morgan's done. Uh, oh, oh, you're going <laughs> to fix it, are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Um, no, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to connect with them either. But but for example, if you've already hit your 20 connections for a day and you want to get a couple additional people in that bucket B, it's fine to follow them, especially if they're large followership accounts or they have creator mode on where the little button says follow. Like that's okay. Because 
that brings us to what you do with all of those connections. <laughs> so you've already had some conversations potentially with the people who responded to your thanks for connecting with me message. And that's great. That's a great first step. But really, I think the leverage point, and Selena had mentioned this in the comments on Nick's stream, is commenting. And I'm going to bring up Selena's comment. It might cut it? off again, I, but I'm happy to read through it. Um, Selena says, you know, LinkedIn is an underrated growth platform. Basic level of engagement creates shareability. As simple a like, your followers will see your posts. So if you have 10 people who just liked your post, now the 10 people of their following see your posts, right? You, we get those little notifications in feed. Nicholas Stickett found this insightful. Or, you know, somebody else, Morgan, liked this post or commented on it. Imagine what the powers of comments, just like what we were talking about. So mm -hmm. the power of comments are twofold. One is... If you're commenting on target accounts, bucket A, they get to see you in your feed without you ever pitching them, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's power one. Power two is if you're engaging on the comments of bucket B, the accounts that your target accounts follow, your target accounts probably see, at least some of them, your comments on those posts as well. So you're getting in front of them again without ever having to pitch them. And... Commenting is content creation. So on it's steroids. On steroids too. It's crazy. We, uh, <laughs> it's gen like we you and I have both seen week over week 50% plus increases in profile views and also probably a similar rate of inbound connection requests from other people. Other than your one poll that was like LinkedIn well, crack. I mean, you know, <laughs> that kind of LinkedIn threw off likes numbers polls right now. Uh, yeah. Just <laughs> This is insane. The, but yeah, the comments. Are... And Selena was the one that originally told me about this. And I'd mm -hmm. seen it in action. And so I started to give it a try. And I told Morgan. And if you think about it from psychology, you're basically rewarding someone. You're telling them that what they're doing is good. And people don't want to feel like it's that fear of getting shut down is what stops people from posting in the first place. So when you give them a comment that's you know, warm, inviting, thoughtful, meaningful. It's driving that conversation forward. They have an incentive to respond. Well, if they see that a few times, how do you think that's going to make them feel? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's good to start with something simple like thank you or, you know, great post. But it's when you move beyond that and you make it part of your strategy to be human, to start conversations, especially if it's about your category or about that person. Mm -hmm. Game changer. Huge. And that's where, I, I mean, I think of a valuable comment, a comment that isn't just thanks for posting this, that there's really two main, I mean, there's really maybe four buckets we could talk about, but the two really top priority comments of a valuable comment is offering your perspective, your point of view on something or mm -hmm. asking a question. And both are great conversation starters in a comment. So I, you and I both do a lot of point of view commenting on people's uh, posts. And what that means is we see the posts and then we offer our perspective on what the post is, or we add on something or we, um, you know, challenge it. I know Nick likes to challenge things maybe more than I do. He likes to stir the pot. I'm maybe less like that. <laughs> You're that. like, no, 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 of course not. And when you develop a valuable comment, again, do I need to restate it? 
Don't shadow pitch. It's not the place to pitch your company. It's not the place to talk about the problem that they've identified that they don't know that they've identified that your company solves. Like that's not the point of the comment. The comment is just to start a conversation, have a relationship, get people interested. This is, again, the topic of today, building a personal brand that wins you business. The best way to build that brand is just start showing up, start building relationships with people. And this comment is gold. We're gonna have to bring that up after. Oh, sounds good. And if you're not keen or you feel imposter syndrome or you don't know how to provide a point of view or you don't feel like you have enough knowledge or expertise to talk about the category that you're in, ask a question. Mm -hmm. So, and not just a comment with a question. I would say it's important to affirm the post. People, this is a little psychology. People like to feel good. <laughs> they, they like to feel that people who are commenting on their posts like what they posted. So what I always do is I affirm the content. I say, wow, you know, number eight, if it's a listicle, was super insightful. Or, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day. Have that connection. Establish that. And then, but, or, you know, I was just thinking about and ask your question. And then when you ask that question, you get to start a little conversation. And chances are one or the other of those people in the conversation are going to send to each other's connection requests. And then there's the algorithm play on both of these kinds of comments where people who you're connected with, your target accounts, the accounts that your target accounts follow, and your peers, some percentage of them are going to see that you in their feed that you commented on this post. And that if you begin to establish this virtuous cycle, you get in front of more and more people just by commenting. No need to post your own stuff. No need to create your own videos. It's just comments. And I saw Kinder had a comment somewhere that he had 4,000 plus followers gained from just commenting on things. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it works. If, as long as you're showing up and not pitching and not just saying thank you, but you're actually adding value and you're actually starting a conversation. So how many comments do you post every day, Nick? Minimum of five. Mm -hmm. But I have a different strategy now that is a little bit more targeted. That was Ooh, my kind okay. of my sneaky thing. It. Do you want to jump into it now or do you want to? Oh, do you want to talk uh, let's about throw up Elizabeth's comment first and then we can jump okay. into your strategy. Um, Elizabeth says, one more thing people I hope should understand is the number of likes or comments shouldn't deter them from creating content and engaging on LinkedIn. Can I tell my story about this? Applause, first of all. Yes, go ahead. Thank you, Liz. I really appreciate you bringing this up because this was a really critical lesson that I learned the hard way. I decided to do a LinkedIn challenge. I don't even know why. I just really wanted to start video maybe about four years ago, five years ago. And so I decided just for 30 days, I was going to post every day and see what happens. And back then, the algorithm was a little bit more favorable. So it definitely looked like more people were seeing it, but I had almost no engagement. Hmm. I Maybe the whole 30 days, I had 30 likes. If that, I bet you it was less than that. So I stopped. Like, obviously, it's not valuable. So I'm going to stop. Mm -hmm. Within three days of me stopping, I got phone calls, emails, text messages, direct messages saying, are you okay? What's going on? What happened? Why did you stop posting? And it taught me a valuable lesson that over 90% of people on LinkedIn are consumers. And this is why this LinkedIn strategy works. It's because they are consumers, because they're trying to go and find somebody that's a credible source of information that they consume on a daily or at least a regular basis. The other people, another small percentage is creators, which is less than 1%. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. In between are the engagers. And that's where we want you to start. But just remember that we all, we're not look going with intent, trying to go and answer a burning question because we'd go to Google or YouTube for that. We're just surfing the web. Sometimes for fun. Sometimes we're just trying to interact. You know, it's not stuck in our little hidey holes. And so <laughs> people just want to go connect with others. And then they hit on that first to insight mm-hmm. and they're in. Mm-hmm. So it got Selena and told me a little bit about a LinkedIn. Once I first had that insight, I was in. And then I, I did a deep dive and we became friends. We became mm-hmm. friends from her sharing information. But if she would have brought up her company or tried to go and sell me a program right off the bat, we wouldn't be friends. It would have ended that relationship right then and there. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you can do with comments is you can always make a joke. <laughs> I, you know, humor is hard though. So if you don't, if you don't feel like you have a knack for it in the written term or like you know how to do it, it can go poorly. Um, just because it doesn't like communicate well, but I think like Will Aiken, who's um, awesome, great on TikTok and also good on LinkedIn. He is a great way, and you can sort of study his tone of voice and the way he posts to really see how humor works and because, emojis and images. Like he's not yeah. just text. No, and and also there's proof in the pudding because even the example we had brought up earlier of Try Hard Tammy. <laughs> This persona that I knew of, which is just such a funny, it's such a good joke, first of all. That comment was on uh, bucket B for me, a an account that my target accounts would follow. I had commented that. I was not connected. I just uh, followed, I think, his. Or mm-hmm. even it had just shown up in the algorithm because somebody else had. I added that comment. That got a like or uh, it got an engagement, it got a comment, it got an inbound connection request. He edited the post to include my example and I got a follow-up DM. And that's just one comment. So when we think about like leveraging value, asking questions, adding humor or starting those conversations, the point is not just to have those conversations or to engage. That's your starting point. The point is to be able to translate those conversations into winning business. And I think that's you know, we got maybe 10 minutes left and maybe that's where I'd like to uh, sort of wrap up today's conversation. Nick, is that fine? Deal. Cool. So the difference, I, I got probably the most beautiful offer I've ever gotten out of a result of this engagement done on me. I was not the offerer. I was the offeree. So somebody had commented on my stuff and then started a conversation I think maybe she had sent an inbound uh, connection request. I had accepted. We started a conversation. We had a great conversation about this topic, uh, creating courses or something like that. And then it was all value. It was her insights. It was my insights, what we were seeing back and forth in the industry. And a couple days later, she followed up with a post that she had seen from someone else and said, hey, Based on our conversation, do you think, is this, you know, I thought I just wanted to share with this with you. I think this is super valuable content. It's like, oh, that's great. And we Ooh. got another conversation going again off of that. And on that conversation, she said, well, I think to answer that question, it's best if we jumped on a call. Here's my link. And that, I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that is unreal. That was awesome. I mean, what a great way to leverage all of the things that we're talking about. 
and providing value to people on the back end. And so if I had to add on a step to the connection stuff that we were talking about earlier, it's not it doesn't stop with thank yous and it doesn't stop with the conversation that you initially have. You can follow up and continue to provide more value with them. And then that's how you start to drive the conversation into revenue. And mm-hmm. that's, I just want to kick the ball to you, Nick, because you are not only far more expert at this, but you also train people on how to do this. Thanks, so um, how do you... How do you see, or like, what do you see are the best tactics? What are the best ways that sales professionals can now leverage their comments, their connections that they're getting out of this into real deals or into pipeline at the very least? Going back to trust, you only buy from people you trust that are credible. So if you jump on a lead too fast, it it sizzles and dies. Unless it was a word of mouth, unless somebody referred them to you, then you can move fast because mostly that's high intent. But that's not usually the case when we're working our personal brand. What we're doing is we're expanding our network so the right people are seeing what we're talking about. And we're building that credibility through regular posts on either a daily or at least a, like three times a week and our comments. And it's all layering. So people are following all of this. So when you follow up three, you know, two, three, maybe at the longest, you know, a month later, when you go and start talking about the category really specific, They will have that conversation. But what I've noticed is that eight out of 10 times, people will actually approach you with questions. Could you tell me a little bit more about what you do or what you offer? Or it's usually a fairly targeted question. That's how this works. When it's done right is you're focusing on being a credible source, that first to insight. Now, I have a sales navigator way of doing this. Would you like to hear it, Morgan? Yes, we were going to loop back on the sales nav way. So I think this is the perfect time to, to, to do it. So accounts. When you're building account lists, account lists are your ICP. They are who you're targeting. So what types of companies, what size, you got to figure out those attributes so that you have a really tight positioning. Once you can figure out that, then you have personas, which are also called leads. So of those leads, when you're building this lead list, is what types of people are you targeting? Sales? business development, purchasing, what you have to get really specific. Sometimes you can group them together, but you need to know who. And so what I do is I create account lists. Of those account lists, I figure out who I need to talk to in those account lists. And so I have my account, let's say, uh, B2B SaaS. Mm -hmm. Inside my lead list, I might have B2B SaaS purchasing. Or I might have B2B SaaS influencer and maybe in brackets sales business development. But what I do that makes this fun is I build out those lists and I try to only cherry pick the people that are active that have been active in the past 30 days is I go on sales nap every morning for 30 minutes. I just go sort by lead list and I pick that like that one lead list and I just comment for 30 minutes. Why I like this and even if you're a manager listening to this, it eliminates the bullshit of, of just having fun on social media because you've hand tailored this list. So if they're not a lead and if they're not an account, they don't show up. Mm-hmm. And so you are highly tailored to just working and fast. Mm-hmm. So what happens now is when you've done however many meaningful comments, guess what normally happens? They connect with you. Yep. This is what put my acceptance rate to above 90 mm-hmm. is I'm usually commenting 
on their posts a few times and then they reach out to me. And this is how you accelerate deals. But you have to be very targeted on who you're talking to and why and what what you're posting needs to align with what they need to hear. That's why you have to be insight driven. And this is why even return customers, this can be even a land and expand thing because if your content is so highly targeted on delivering value to anyone and everyone that is in your ICP and your personas, this is a game changer. So now we're talking about sales at scale. And guess what you spent to do it? Almost nothing. Unless yeah. you, when you want to go and get to some tech, we can do a whole nother episode on that. I'm telling you, you don't need to use tech. I'm telling you that sales navigator is incredibly powerful and it can accelerate your ability to create lists and get in front of the right people. And then once you get 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 people in your network, it's crazy. That's all I, it's all my summary is, is that you don't, you're still working, but this is where that LinkedIn in 30 minutes a day Mm-hmm. is actually a business strategy mm-hmm. and not fluff. And and honestly, I think for if there are sales professionals, AEs or otherwise who are listening, who think their sales manager or sales director is going to be like, or VP of sales even, it's like, why are you wasting so much time out on LinkedIn? Well, it, you know, what we've talked about today, we've run this for months now. It literally takes 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, you send some connection request. As long as you've done your pre-work, it'll take a little bit of pre-work to figure out the different target accounts, the accounts that they follow, your peer accounts. But actually commenting, connecting, having follow-up conversations, half an hour. And it could be an hour even if you have a really good conversation. But that conversation is going to be a potentially a qualified lead if they come out of that target a, a t- accounts bucket A of accounts that you're targeting with. And if you layer on what Nick is talking about, you can exclusively engage with those uh, targeted leads at all of those um, accounts, your ICP accounts that you want to go after inside Sales Navigator. And that's it, right? And, and then you have all your other stuff that you can do to meet your manager's expectations. Like that's no big deal. You, you do that anyway every day. One thing that's really cool that we haven't touched on yet today that I want mm-hmm. to mention is people share stuff that works. So, you know, share our podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> people share what works. And so what you'll notice is when you're putting out really good content, it gets shared. And so think about, could somebody clip this? Could somebody copy and paste? Could How could somebody share this in an easy way? So what is the format that you're making it so easy to share and so bite-sized that people just want it to go? And so why we focus on LinkedIn right now is LinkedIn's probably going to be the top B2B place for prospecting and network building for about the next year, maybe two years. Right now is your time. The, you're, you're pulling on these different levers that make you a machine, but you don't have to spend the money to be a machine because if you go account-based sales development, another great strategy, you need to have a very robust tech stack And you have to get really clear on what we're talking about and have really, that's a whole different bucket. But what we're talking about, it it builds that foundation that you can go anywhere and do anything. And now pipeline is no longer an issue. It takes you from, holy crap, I need to go and hit my numbers. I need somebody, like I need to go and be sitting down with somebody or else I'm going to, you know, get fired to, hmm, 
I had 10 leads come in this week. Who would be a great fit for me to work with? Mm-hmm. It completely changes the game. It changes the way you show up in meetings. Mm-hmm. And it, it will change your career. Mm-hmm. Well, and if I can close on this note, um, honestly, these platforms, we're only in the, the nascent stages of how these social platforms are going to transform the sales process. Like LinkedIn is only so old and the way it works today is even younger. So the point of this entire process is it's leveraging the platform because the platform itself has democratized access. It is so much easier to access anyone in the world as long as they're on the platform and they're active than it used to be. You didn't need mm-hmm. to call up a specific company. You now call up a specific person. I was interviewing for the podcast, um, which, oh, can, do I? Uh, you can check out at b2bpowerhour.com for all the links to our special <laughs> interviews as well as audio versions of this live show. Anyways, uh, I was interviewing Paul Slack, uh, who's a demand generation marketer, and he had brought up the um, that somebody had followed him for a year and knew when he had the budget, he was going to hire Paul Slack. Now, Paul has an agency and the agency has a name, but the guy wasn't going to hire the agency. The agency, he was going to hire Paul Slack. And so the lesson of that is inside these platforms, we associate, we build trust and credibility between people, not between companies. And the point of developing your personal brand from uh, transforming your profile into a better landing page, finding those target account, the three different kinds of accounts, connecting with them, engaging with them, commenting with them, developing conversations with them. And then targeting your approach to all of those accounts inside Sales Navigator or just through your own uh, tools every day allows you to build a brand with the right people so that mm-hmm. when it comes time, they have the problem that you solve, they think of you. That's why you do this. That's how you win business off of developing a personal brand as a sales professional. And honestly, it doesn't take that much time. Nope. Nope. Uh, any last thoughts before we close? Because we're at time, Nick. Does anyone have any questions that they would like to quickly ask that we want that, you know, that burning that it just needs to be addressed? Throw it in the comments. If not, shoot me or Morgan a direct message. One, check out Morgan's beautiful website on b2bpowerhour.com. And remember, even if you're hunting triggers, that somebody got a promotion, there's a funding round, if that person knows you, whose call do you think they're going to take? Mm-hmm. There's more power in this than most people think. Mm-hmm. And it usually takes anywhere from one and a half to three times your sales cycle for them to have that first insight to them to want to work with you, unless it's through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. You need to be patient. You need to be consistent. And if you need help, we are happy. We're happy to be there for you. Yep, absolutely. Ask us. Nick, thank you for that great summary. Thanks everyone for joining us this morning. It's been such a pleasure. I hope everyone on this call who celebrates Thanksgiving had a lovely Thanksgiving yesterday and uh, we will see you next week. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Power Hour podcast. Make sure to subscribe to catch all of our upcoming episodes and we'll see you next time.